my dear friends, fans, colleagues, to Voices of the Sacred Feminine Radio, where we are busy going about manifesting that new normal, where you, me, and probably many of our friends could safely call ourselves the cognitive minority. And you know what? That's a good thing. You know why? The cognitive minority are the people ahead of the curve. They're the people that get it. They're the people who can see the handwriting on the wall and are starting to create new ideas and ways of being in the world, while the rest of the folks out there are stuck thinking, you know, if they keep doing the same things and thinking the same things, that, you know, they still think things are going to change. If we were in the earlier days, we might be part of the Underground Railroad, for instance, blazing a trail toward freeing people from being slaves. Or we might have been the ones who helped classify rape a weapon of war. Or we might have been the ones trying to tell the Vatican the world wasn't flat and the sun didn't revolve around the earth. Yes, the cognitive minority, that's us. Monkeys 1 through 99, that's who we are as we work toward that paradigm shift, toward that hundredth monkey, to restore balance and create a world of equality, justice, peace, love, mutual cooperation and partnership. And did I say tolerance? Yes, indeed, tolerance too, because this one-way thinking has got to stop. You know, it's been a while since I reminded you of a few of the show mottos, but one of them, uh, is something that uh, that Gandhi said. Uh, Gandhi said, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Sometimes I think we're right in the middle of that little scenario there. Anyway, thank you again for tuning in to another great show tonight, and thanks to Lisa Thiel for use of her music, uh, tonight's cut being called Warrior Goddess. I think appropriate for tonight's show because tonight I have with me Tabby Biddle, and we're going to be talking about the importance of women finding their political voice and what the goddess has to do without, with, with politics. Very, very important stuff because, you know, we can't change the world if we aren't aware of what's happening out there, if we aren't engaged and actively participating somehow in areas crucial to changing the world. And we'll get right to that in a minute, but um, I want to tell you if uh, you have been thinking hard about if you were going to register for the upcoming Goddess Spirit Rising Conference coming up uh, September 10th through 13th in Simi Valley, which is uh, about 45 minutes uh, north of L.A., you know, don't hesitate any longer, really. Uh, The conference is filling up. And if you aren't local and need accommodations, you want to be sure uh, to have your choice. 
And the conference uh, is open to everyone of all genders. Uh, I've been getting emails saying, can men come? Is this just for women? Well, it is for everyone. In fact, um, I'm on a panel on Sunday discussing that very fact, that goddess spirituality isn't just for women, it's for everyone. You know, when I committed myself uh, years and years ago to rebirthing goddess on the planet, I didn't think the great she was just for women. She's for women, of course, but she's also for our sons and husbands. She's for people of fluid gender. And, you know, think about it this way, if maybe you haven't before. Uh, So many of us... um, Uh, understand that uh, we've had trans people or two-spirit people in goddess cultures for a long, long time. So if we're trying to create a new spirituality using uh, hints and clues from the past to uh, create some sort of restructured goddess spirituality with some semblance uh, to ancient times, well, being inclusive of everyone, not wasting anyone, is vitally important. And think of all the new allies all the new allies will have to rebirth her in the world. So please uh, go to their website, Goddess Spirit Rising, and sign up for the incredible weekend conference coming up really soon. And, you know, if you can't afford to go all weekend or you don't have time to go all weekend, uh, I totally get that. Um, There are day rates, too. Um, I think probably Saturday is the big day. Uh, That night there's going to be a lot of um, entertainment and performance uh, going on. Um, But uh, Friday and Sunday are jam-packed, too. And this topic of uh, two-spirit people is a great segue, actually, to announce um, that the Joseph Campbell Foundation is going to be issuing a charter for the two roundtables I've started uh, and uh, are running in Venice and Irvine, California. Yay! And um, getting back to that two-spirit topic, uh, coming up on September 5th in Irvine at the Goddess Temple of Orange County is a great presentation with a recent guest, uh, Jillian Cameron, speaking on transgender spirituality, the redemption of a maligned wisdom. So mark your calendars uh, for September 5th in Irvine at the Goddess Temple, and September 10th through 13th for the Goddess Spirit Rising Conference. This is going to be a real top-drawer kind of event, that conference, with comfortable accommodations, no sleeping on the ground, no, 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 my bones can't take it, yours might not be able to either. Uh, over 40 presenters from around the world, vendors, rituals, everything you could ask for, and as I said, it's open to everyone. Um, So, yeah, in that panel that I'm on uh, will include Jillian Cameron, who I was just speaking about, who's talking at the Joseph Campbell Roundtables. And she was on the show here uh, a couple weeks ago, if you want to hear our interview. Uh, Also on the panel will be Melody Friend and Ava Park from the Goddess Temple, discussing the need to uh, more readily embrace everyone within goddess spirituality. I'm also giving a presentation on Friday called Reawakening Our Earliest Sacred Stories, Uh, is a writing and storytelling workshop. Then uh, on September 26th, um, our second Joseph Campbell Roundtable in September will happen in Venice uh, at the Venice Library. uh, And the presenter will be Michelle Hort, 
discussing the first woman poet and writer. And uh, that was a, a, a priestess of ancient times in uh, Mesopotamia. Her name was Enheduanna, uh, dating back to the days of Inanna and Ishtar. Michelle uh, will be uh, here on the show as well, September 9th, discussing what she's going to share. Uh, for those of you who aren't local, uh, of course, she can't share everything. Uh, and uh, then a few weeks later, uh, she will um, also be... Um, uh, you know, presenting uh, in some other locations, and uh, I'll tell you about that as it gets closer. All right, so with our housekeeping out of the way, uh, let's turn our attention to tonight's guest, Tabby Biddle. It's been my pleasure to know Tabby and enjoy her work here in Los Angeles uh, for uh, some time now, but uh, let me tell you more about her and uh, introduce you to her uh, by way of her bio. Uh, she's a women's rights advocate, writer, leadership coach, uh, specializing in helping women find their voice. She's the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Finding Your Voice, A Woman's Call to Action. A United Nations Foundation Press Fellow, uh, Tabby's articles and blogs have been featured by prominent national and international media, including the Huffington Post, the LA Times, USA Today, UN Dispatch, Current TV, NPR. Uh, through her speaking appearances, group classes, and private coaching and practice, she supported hundreds of women on their path into leadership, from business leaders to media personalities to celebrity activists, artists, students, entrepreneurs. Um, Tammy is the director of the L.A. Goddess Collective, a community of women leaders and emerging leaders at the intersection of feminine spirituality, creative expression, and social change. She's a passionate advocate for advancing the status of women and girls around the world. She lives in Santa Monica, California with her husband, toddler son, and a cat. And for inspiration and guidance to strengthen your voice and advance your influence as a feminine leader, visit tabbybiddle.com. That is her website, tabbybiddle.com. So, Tabby, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Karen. Well, I'm so glad uh, that uh, we're talking about this tonight, um, Tabby, uh, the importance of women finding their political voice and uh, what does goddess have to do with politics. Because, you know, I've, I've found in the last few years as I've been out there, you know, doing this uh, doing this work, um, I, I, sometimes I've been disappointed because I believe there's a disconnect uh, on both fronts. Uh, women shy away from politics, and people have not connected the dots to uh, how sacred feminine liberation theology, feminism, and politics all just go hand in hand. And, you know, it's a, it's a little bit amazing to me, and I wonder if you found the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find that... Um the political world and the feminine spirituality world have remained separate more so than than I, I would imagine and that I would like. And, and I feel that part of my work here is to help bridge that gap, to help women on the femin, feminine spirituality side of things, those who are already immersed in feminine spirituality, to help them see that they have a political voice, that by fact of them... Uh, writing, speaking, uh, performing their feminine artistry, uh, 
filmmaking, making videos, and so forth, whatever their expression is of their truth and of the changes they would like to see in the world, that that itself is political action because that brings more feminine consciousness onto the planet and helps with the shift for cultural change, which ultimately then uh, will be seeping in and inform uh, the the government, the, the political, um, if you will, establishment. And then those so, who work – go ahead, go ahead. So, well, I was, so, so what you're saying is you think maybe one tactic is to not um, go after politics directly but more indirectly through uh, cultural projects. Yeah, I think that is one avenue. I think it has to happen all simultaneously. I do think we need to have more women encouraged to run for office and given support to run for office from a feminine paradigm and a feminine perspective, uh, helping women feel that they have the sisterhood support and that they don't need to enter politics through the masculine path and the masculine paradigm, trying to satisfy um, masculine uh, norms. Okay, so so I think yeah. that piece is really important. So so kind of um, re uh, like shifting the angle slightly for women political candidates, and then another avenue, which is the one that I started out talking about, was the cultural change avenue. I think both need to happen simultaneously. Okay, and I want to talk about both of those in, in more detail. But you know, in, I, I guess from your from your, your own intuition uh, and anecdotal, you know, evidence, you know, from talking to the many women you've trained, um, why do you think women um, resist finding their political voice? You know, is it that uh, deep seated conditioning is still there, um, that this it's a man's game and, you know, women, you know, should be taking care of the family and the house? I think it, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think it's a few things. I think, um, number one, the, the, what I've heard from many women, and I myself felt this way for a long time when I uh, worked in politics in Washington, D.C., it, it feels that the world of politics is very dirty and divisive and, and cutthroat and not a very warm and welcoming place that a woman would want to be. Um, in, in my own particular case, as a young woman, I, I worked for an organization called the Women's Campaign Fund, which was about helping uh, women fundraise and well, actually helping them trained to run for office and, and fundraise so that we could expand the number of women in, in uh, state and national office. While that's a great thing, I found that when it was time to choose my next step along my career path, although I was for advancing more women in politics, I could not bring myself to actually remain in the world of politics just for that reason, that it felt cutthroat, divisive, and that I would have to kind of sell my soul, if you will, to join the game. And I was unwilling to do that. So my my case, I think, is common for, for many women, um, whether they've worked in politics or not, the sense that if they are to become political and kind of jump in the political game, that it is, it's not 
a compassionate place, that it's not a um, place of, uh, I used those words earlier, of warmth and welcome. And, you know, why would you want to put yourself in something that feels almost like um like an internal an internal rape to your to your feminine right, system right well and uh i and i forget her name uh but this um this female politician was on bill moore i think last week uh she has a book out talking about her early years in politics i believe she's a senator now but she talked about when she was a real young politician who had just been uh, elected to the House of Representatives, she went up to one of the higher-up men and said, uh, well, you know, how can I get this bill passed? And he said, well, you got your knee pads? <laughs> you know, and, you know, she had a lot of different stories like that in her book. But, you know, when you think about it, though, Tabby, you know, corporate America is pretty cutthroat uh, as well. Uh, academia is cutthroat. Uh, you know, religious, there's religious politics. Um, so I wonder if um, it's a perception that uh, politics is so much worse. I mean, I know we only have 25% representation of women in any of those um, fields, uh, industries, whatever you want to call them, um, you know, parts of our... Actually, less uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, maybe maybe that has something to do with why there's not more representation in all of them. Well, I think this is where goddess theology comes in. I think that when when people are living under the assumption that there is a male god is the authority, whether they practice. Uh, religion or not, that we live in a cultural norm where um, the male god is seen as the ultimate authority, that undermines a lot of women and girls' natural feminine authority. You know, we're naturally um, put in the position of the, the less than, the second class, you know, to, to, you know, we'll never be in the image of a male god. And, you know, of course, the whole story is Eve and, you know, the downfall mm-hmm. of all humanity and, and, and so forth. So all of that that gets embedded into our, uh, into our system, our personal systems and our cultural consciousness, um, I think puts women at a disadvantage and a disinterest um, thinking that politics is not their domain and that because for example, you know, the Constitution was written by men and, and, and written for men and the language is about men, that um, how could we not uh, feel that this is not a place that we are welcome and this is not a place that is our domain? So I yeah, think maybe, there's, a maybe lot there's a little bit maybe there's a little bit more wiggle room for women in academia or corporate America or even religious uh, institutions. Yeah, because if you think about it, the Constitution is written in the in uh, toward gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, all men are, all men are created equal. Yeah, we we are left out, and even now, you know, as you know, we have no equal rights amendments uh, right. in our U.S. Constitution, and so there's a lot within our American political system. As much as we think we're advancing with uh, gender equality and so forth, and yes, there have been there has been some progress. 
um, the, the mainstay of our of our country, our, our government, the foundation of of our um, social structure is still um, disinclusive, if that's, if that's a word, um, <laughs> to women. Right, and it right. takes, and I I admire, and I'm so proud of every woman who runs for local, state, and national office. Um, because they are breaking through so many cultural barriers for all of us, and yeah. um, and and now and, and just kind of tagging back to what I said earlier, if we can just start kind of shifting the the angle, the dial, so that women can be now entering in not just as women playing the man's game, but as women from a feminine perspective, whether they are uh, subscribers to goddess theology or simply their feminine energy, their their womanhood, their wisdom within them, that I think will make a huge difference. Okay. Um I I I, I agree with you there. I, I really do. And um and, and I wanna and I wanna come back to women in politics, but um I want to explore a little bit goddess in politics. And um well you know, as you know, I'm you know, I'm a firm believer uh you know that sacred feminine liberation theology is all about politics. Uh but you know, I run into people who say, Well what about separation of church and state? You know, or uh and I'm and I'm wondering, has any anyone ever said that to you and if they have how have you answered or how well it's interesting i i've actually asked a question in the opposite way and i'll I'll explain in more detail right now i don't believe there's actually really a separation of church and state because we think about it our uh it is so important for uh our our presidents and the, the candidates uh according to polls that the candidate be religious and you know when the, when the when the president um takes the oath of office the president puts at so far than a him puts his hand on a bible uh you know swearing to god the you know who in who in language and image um has been uh, presented uh as male and so to me that's like that there is no that um, even though in, in the school systems there, there generally is more separation between church and state, I think our, our country is really um, built on a foundation of a male god, uh, uh, you know, of... of um, well, uh, I think I think Christi- basically Christianity because Christianity. What you, yeah, we, I mean because yeah. what you haven't mentioned, and I, I'm amazed that the media doesn't pounce on it a little bit more. Um, you know, you have all of these Republicans wanting to bring women back into the dark ages uh, about birth control, uh, you know, and um, and their abortion rights. And you know they don't want women to have equal pay, but I mean that's not religious. But you know, but I think I really do. I mean the abortion and the um, the contraception that's certainly uh, you know that stems from their religious beliefs. I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's Catholicism um, and and the the far religious right. Yeah, so there, there's no separation there. There absolutely not. Um, and, so the you know, answer I mean, is when somebody says don't bring goddess into politics because uh, there we you know we have to protect ser- separation of church and state. The answer is um, if you think there's a separation now, you're you know it, that's an it's an illusion. 
so if, if you know, since we are a <laughs> spiritual country, you know, more so than say Europe, um, you know, since most people do profess to have some sort of spirituality, I usually say, why not have a spirituality that's going to liberate us all rather than mm. keep half the population oppressed? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's such an important point. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it's not discussed enough. And, um, yeah, I mean, I have to think think more. No one has actually uh, answered that question. I mean, asked me that question, but I have actually asked a question to a female candidate who is running for, for uh, the House of Representatives um, at, at representing uh, my district here in, in Los Angeles. Santa Monica, and uh, I asked her how she felt about that exact thing about the the, um, president when he or she takes the oath of office, uh, is requested to put their hand on the Bible and and make their their swearing to God, and Mm -hmm. that's not separation church and state. And what she said is that um, the separation of church and state has actually allowed us a lot of freedoms, and that is what has allowed me to so openly, you know, practice my goddess spirituality and be very vocal and verbal about it and so forth. And that um, in in comparison to other countries where – the freedom there the, there's not a freedom of religion and the oppression is severe uh for those practicing out, outside of the um the country's assumed religion uh that we are are freer to practice i wasn't yeah, there, satisfied with that answer um and uh you know there's still more for me to to discover uh with with that question well, and and I think, too, you know, um, we're blazing a new trail here. You know, we don't have all the answers. You know, we're still working this all through. And um, and I realize that, and I try to have patience when I run into goddess advocates or pagans or people who think that, you know, they, they shouldn't reconcile their spirituality and their politics you know because what i find is you know they're you know when you I, I, when you find goddess you know my, my observation has been that opens up such a big world to you you know you start maybe studying comparative religions or maybe you have already you start maybe looking at tarot at how to do ritual um you're discovering history and and i think sometimes um you know we we never start to go down the road of social justice um, because, you know, it, it's not really taught as readily, I think, as I would like it to be in our goddess circles that social justice and goddess spirituality really do go hand in hand. And I don't think enough people have connected those dots, you know. It's more about... Um, uh, you know the ritual and the magic and uh, women's empowerment and discovering the feminine face of God. You know, we everybody doesn't, you know, doesn't always see that other path that you know that that um, from goddess to social justice. Um, at least that's been my experience, and I wonder if if mm-hmm. that's been yours as well. 
Yeah, well, I, I know from, from second wave feminism in the late 60s and, and 70s um, that there was a definite split between those who practiced feminine spirituality, um, goddess theology, and those who were political activists. Um, the the ones who were political activists felt that it was too kind of airy-fairy to, um, you know, sit in the women's circles and, and um, do the ritual and so forth, and that that wouldn't accomplish actual political change, meaning, you know, changes in laws and public policy. And then those uh, in the feminist spirituality world or, or um, coven, if you will, um, felt that, without that aspect that the political activism was just kind of repeating kind of aggressive models of, of male um, mm-hmm. activism. So and, and it's unfortunate, today, isn't it? You know, as if the two are mutually exclusive. <laughs> yeah, and, and, they're, and they're not. I mean, and they're not at all. And this is, this is part of um, the Goddess Collective, which is a group I run here in Los Angeles, and, and you talked about it um, when you introduced me, that this is this is one thing that I'm trying to accomplish is the, many of these women are coming more from the feminine or feminine spirituality side. They're entering uh, from that end of it, and I'm trying to help them see that connection to social justice um, to take them through practices and exercises uh, to help them tune in to what is what are the social injustices that they see happening in and around them, uh, what is the change that they want to see in the world, who do they want to help and why, and, and give them experiences to, uh, to tune into this, speak about it, be visible with other women, uh, you know, feeling safe, uh, good kind of practice ground to, uh, you know, begin, begin one's articulation about the issues that they do care about but maybe haven't been given a chance to safely express themselves because, as we talked about earlier, the political domain has seemed like it was the land of the, of the male and that to be a woman in that, that you had to be, you know, super aggressive and outspoken. Well, believe me, there are many women who have a lot to say about the political change they would like to see, but maybe they are uh, not as aggressive and they have uh, more of a uh, compassionate heart and compassionate way to speak uh, about about the things they care about and that, that might not be heard in a room full of um, more politically outspoken and, and aggressive uh, traditional political types. Yeah, because, you know, I think when someone starts speaking from the heart and speaking gently, um, uh, that's uh, automatically perceived as weakness. Uh, because, I mean, look what's happening with Donald Trump out there right now, you know, or when, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, some people in the country thought, you know, the, you know, the Bush administration was going to keep us safe because they had that, you know, that, uh, you know, that sort of bullying, tough, uh, demeanor, you know, uh, and somebody else comes along that wants to try to engage everybody and create partnership and, you know, and, and, and doesn't say it's my way or the highway. And there's some people out there that take that sort of approach 
as uh, as I think a sign of weakness, and um, you know that's unfortunate, and maybe uh, that that puts women at a disadvantage uh, because let's not forget, unfortunately, most of the political money probably comes from men. You know, men have more of the discretionary income out there, I think, than women do. And so, it, you know, unless they're an evolved man um, or we can get the money out of campaign finance reform and so that we don't have to, you know, rely on these rich people to, you know, uh, fund politicians' war chests, I think that keeps women at a, at a disadvantage too, because men, most men, I think, um, or should I say, the unevolved men, you know, who still think the only way to, you know, is through domination, you know, a patriarchal domination, they're going to hesitate, I think, to give their money and put their support behind. Um, you know, a woman who, uh, you know, doesn't approach things the way um, they're accustomed to seeing things. Uh, you know, does that make sense? I, I, I'm starting to ramble. Yeah, I, no, you're not rambling at all. I absolutely agree. And, and that's why I think a lot of things have to happen simultaneously, meaning the women who are in Congress right now really need to push hard and work hard to uh, eliminate the gender wage gap. Because as you said, yes, it is true. Men do have more discretionary income, and they are funding more of the political political candidates, and certainly the corporations are, which are uh, dominated by male leadership and so forth. So, so women definitely are at a disadvantage in terms of the fundraising aspect um, and then to, to your point earlier about the woman who might be more um, soft-spoken or more um, deliberate in her words and not um, aggressive in her tone and so forth, um, that I absolutely agree that that is has been up to this point seen as a weaker candidate. I do think it's changing. I do think as more women are using social media and blogging to use their voice and speak out that there is more of a sisterhood net forming so that women are being heard more um, and that also women are uh, spotlighting and featuring other women more in their media platforms. For example, right here, what you're doing with radio interviews, um, so that there's a possibility that more women's voices will be heard in a way that they naturally express. And I believe that women are very receptive to the, the, the world of social media and, and blogging and, and not, not just receptive but very active with it. And I think that those can be excellent tools for uh, for a woman candidate, for a woman candidate right. who might be just starting out on the local level and then building up the you know, state level and so forth, and these can be used now um, 
as yeah, a we way didn't have, to... Yeah, we didn't have those things before. You know, it, it will be, and you reminded me of something else, the media. Um, you know, I remember when Hillary was running the first time around, and, um, I, you know, people, men, you know, were calling her shrill, uh, you know, or they were comparing her to their... Um, you know, to their, um, you know, grumpy wife who she reminded them of their grumpy wife who was telling them to take out the trash. Um, you know, I, I think men, um, men have a, men sometimes have a difficult time hearing a woman assert herself, you know, um, and if a woman isn't being soft spoken, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, it, it, uh, disturbs some men a bit you know I don't know if it you know harkens back to you know maybe the nuns wrapping them over their knuckles or you know their mother you know putting them in the corner when they were a little boy and they were bad but they you know they some really have an issue with um, assertive women and you know it's seen as a you know it's it's kind of you know women are damned if they do and damned if they don't because if they if they speak softly then they're weak but if they show a little uh, assertiveness then they're shrill you know mm-hmm. and and that's what i think we need to keep supporting each other on as women um encouraging women to be outspoken encouraging them to be ambitious, encouraging them to be on the front lines, um, and, 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 you know, uh, creating that as the new norm, that that is okay. Some women, as, as you say, are going to be more, um, uh, well, uh, aggressive in their presentation, and some are going to be more soft-spoken. I think we have to make it okay for all of it, and that, mm-hmm. and not try to fit into any male expectation box. And and guess what? Some some men will continue to have problems with it. But if we as women speak out and support these other women, these these candidates, um, if we you know are supporters of them, that's going to make a difference. We we cannot we whether we're soft spoken or whether we're more of a um, vocal front woman, we can't um, sit by and allow um, the ridicule to happen without it being challenged and, and, and repositioned. That's, that's what I want to say. Like, even just right, you right. Know, writing an article, a blog about it, and, and creating more awareness and discussion uh, about yeah, I mean, if, I mean, if the media starts talking to Hillary about her pantsuits or her hairstyle or, um, you know, asks a woman candidate <clears throat> how is she balancing her, her uh, political life and being a mother, I mean, women ought to just stick together and bombard these type of, um, you know, media personalities and tell them to get with it that that's like 50s thinking and, you know, uh, th- that they ought to be put out to pasture if that's the kind of stuff, um, you know, they they want to be talking about out there in the public domain. Like we shouldn't let them get away with it, you know. Yeah, and that is happening. I mean, the good news is um, particularly women who are part of what's called the Women's Media Center, which was founded by Gloria Steinem and Jane Fonda, and um, I apologize for forgetting the, the um the third woman's name, um, there are a lot of feminist journalists now, and they are calling out the, let's say, more 
traditional media uh, for approaching female candidates in that way. So it is happening. Uh, the, the, the call out, the challenge, uh, it, it's happening, and then it needs to continue to happen. And and I and I I believe that even though a woman might not be a frontier journalist, that she should still be using her blog if she has one or her social media to call out to because there's so many layers and, and levels of people to reach with this. So I, any listener here, I, I would encourage her to use whatever platform she has to call things out like that when she sees it because that, that's how we are going to make the change. Right. And, um, and I want to get to um, – um, how you see um, feminine leadership differing from male leadership. But before we, you know, leave the goddess topic, um, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, was there anything more you wanted to say about what goddess has to do with women finding their political voice? Yes, let me tune into that for a moment. You know, because yes. I think go, – go ahead. Yes. Uh, I know from my personal experience that it was goddess who helped me find my political voice. It was when I awakened to the goddess that I took off my patriarchal blinders and I was able to see all of the human rights abuse and oppression that was happening to women and girls worldwide and here – right in our home and, and right in, in, in front of our eyes. I personally was blind to all of that, even though I had traveled through Southeast Asia, Nepal, India, parts of the Middle East. I literally did not see or acknowledge the, the oppression and the abuse that was happening to women and girls through so many forms, you know, through genital mutilation, through bride burning, through so-called honor killings, stoning women to death, the, the rampant rape and domestic violence, and, of course, the list goes on. And I think what, what can happen to some women here in the U.S. is that we feel that progress is being made, and in some in terms of uh, equal rights and gender equality, we feel that opportunities are open for us. And on some level, they are. I mean, if you, in comparison to some more oppressive and, and dictatorial countries, we do have many more freedoms, okay? So that is a blessing, and we're, we're, we're blessed with that. Uh, however, on the other hand, I think this can make uh, some women complacent and allow a lot of the subtle oppressions uh, happen. Uh, subtle, it's not even subtle anymore, just the, 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 um, the hyper-sexualization of women and girls in the media, the ridiculous uh, wage gap. I mean, that's just, I just, it's incredible to me how, how large the gap is, particularly for African-American women and Latina women. Um, the, the 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 language that is used uh, derogatory derogatory language toward women and of course all of the violence that happens in so many forms so it's there but because we feel that work opportunities are open to us there there is a complacency 
So the goddess, and, and, I, and I want to make it clear for, for any listeners on the show that I, I don't believe that it necessarily means you have to be a feminine spiritualist or prescribe to goddess spirituality, but there is a necessary awakening to the feminine with a capital F uh, in order to find one's political voice. I feel that um, in order for a woman to help move us out of the social and political status quo, there is a necessary awakening to the feminine within herself and within consciousness that needs to happen in order for her to feel internally driven to make political change. And you know, Tabby, if I can interrupt you for a moment, that awakening to the feminine with the capital F, I think that's not just for women. I think it's the men that awaken to that feminine. You know, they're the Jimmy Carters of the world. They're the Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. of the world. They're the um, the Dalai Lamas of the world. You know, these are the men, I believe, who have um, awakened to the feminine and are, and are out there fighting for equality and justice and all the things that, um, you know, women awaken to, um, you know, I think when, when they find goddess. Yes, agreed. I agree. Yeah. Um, so um, so how, how do you see uh, feminine leadership differing from male leadership? I mean, um, the first thing I think about is uh, I look at, say, the Margaret Thatcher's, Michelle Bachman's, Sarah Palin's, you know, versus the, um, uh, you know, the, you know, the Gloria Steinem's and the, uh, you know, some of the other, you know, Democratic women we have in, in office right now. Um, uh, it, it, is it, you know, is it, is it that, you know, this sort of, um, the, because, you know, I see women who stick up for the status quo, like Margaret Thatcher, Sarah Palin, those types, a lot of the Republican women, you know, they're just sort of propping up the status quo as opposed to trying to change things um, and help shift the world into a um, a more caring, sharing uh, partnership place. Um, so I, I, I'm a firm believer it's not about what we're packing in our pajamas you know, or what side we button our shirt on, but it's, you know, it, it's not in our genitals. It's really in, um, you know, whether whether we've embraced our feminine. Yeah, so, so I think you make really important points there. I think there's a difference between women's leadership and feminine leadership. And I think uh, women's leadership can be, feminine leadership or it can be distinctly distinctly different and and a perpetuator of the the patriarchal paradigm so um what i see is important to talk about is the difference between feminine leadership and masculine leadership i think that feminine leadership instinctually looks at the whole looks at a holistic picture and can see the ripple effect of law and public policy on the health of uh, a community, a nation, uh, the, the world. It, it, um, I feel that feminine leadership is sourced from that intuitive feminine wisdom that is about life creation and sustainability and health and well-being and thriving 
and uh, collaboration and power with. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is representative of feminine leadership. I see male leadership as um, more based on how do I maintain power? How can I keep being the head of the domain? How can I uh, get the results the fastest, the quickest way? It's very, I see it very results-oriented, which can be extremely positive in, in, uh, if, if partnered and married with feminine leadership. It can also be extremely destructive uh, with the short-term results-oriented thinking and uh, I believe is, is uh, a huge perpetuator of the continued violence and war that happens the world over. Uh, I see I'm not, I'm not someone who I, I certainly don't want to eliminate or knock men, but I do believe so firmly in the necessary partnership between feminine and masculine leadership. I do believe masculine leadership can be more long-term thinking, can be more um, holistically oriented when the um, kind of the um, when the true power of the masculine comes out, if you will. For example, um, I'm thinking of Jimmy Carter since you mentioned him a few moments ago. Um, he, to me, feels like an awakened masculine leader, and mm-hmm. which means both uh, embracing of the feminine and, and seeing the feminine and honoring how the masculine works with the feminine. I think we need each other, masculine and feminine, both as people, um, and within ourselves. I think we, uh, I do, I know everyone has kind of a different uh, interpretation of, of, you know, how much feminine and masculine each gender carries. Um, I do believe as women that we are the carriers of feminine wisdom and the um, kind of representatives of, of the goddess and feminine consciousness here. So um, as much as we... Uh, as much as it's necessary for us to embrace our own masculine leadership within ourselves, I uh, I do feel that we all, as women and as girls, have a responsibility to let the feminine be our leading edge of yeah. our, our personal leadership. And if I could add to that, I think two of the distinctions, too, would be um, growth versus development. You know, I think the masculine is the unfettered growth, you know, uh, on a planet with finite resources, where instead we could be looking at, um, instead of, uh, you know, greed, we could be looking at how can we develop ourselves as human beings, you know, how can we develop, you know, new technologies to help everybody in the planet. And, you know, so rather than this, you know, uh, you know, gimme, 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 more, 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 it would be, you know, how do we improve upon what we have? How do we develop ourselves? Um, you know, so those those are you know some things to um, you know I, I think I would I would uh, add to your 
uh, you know, add to your description. And, you know, thinking about the, um, you know, I, I couldn't help but think about, you know, Maria Gimbutas's teachings about the, you know, the Kurgan societies and, you know, we, you know, we think these more peaceful egalitarian societies were overrun by these, you know, you know, more warring Aryan uh, people on horseback with weapons and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so, you know, you have the people who will say, well, uh, you know, if we, uh, you know, if we're gentle, then we're vulnerable. Uh, and it made me think about when uh, President Obama first took office. I felt like he came in trying to use that approach, you know, but he was steamrolled by the Kurgan invaders, sort of, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, men who had mm-hmm. no idea about negotiating like that. It was sort of survival of the fittest. So maybe what needs to happen is our society has to uh, evolve and mature and say, you know what, we don't want leaders who uh, or who want to dominate and, and create the survival of the fittest environment for us to live in. You know, we want leaders who are going to reach their hand out uh, in partnership, in negotiation, in cooperation, and we'll accept nothing less. And maybe these kinds of dominator models, you know, my way or the highway types, will become dinosaurs eventually, you know, because people won't accept them uh, as their leaders anymore. I mean, that's my hope anyway. And then the men, instead of being... Uh, warriors, and um, they can be protectors. You know, they change the archetype from, um, you know, stepping out and, you know, being the aggressor of war to being perfectly capable of defending, but they aren't going to be the aggressor, you know, unless Mm -hmm. it's absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think think you're observation and analysis of Obama is exactly what happened, that he began with more of a compassionate heart uh, leading with with what felt uh, to be more of um, the natural feminine and the empowered masculine and um, got uh, gridlocked and and steamrolled and had to go to the default patriarchal mode and, um, and kind of lost in a way his his authentic power because he had to move to something that, that wasn't uh, natural to him right. or, or what his his uh, his soul wanted to evolve to. Um, right. So it, it does, you know, kind of show the powerful force of of, of the old model. Um, and I do in your in your vision, I definitely hear you, and, and uh, I do think that. Um, you know there is a natural aggressive energy that that we all have as women and as men, and that that certainly can be channeled into more uh, of that protectorate way. You know, fierce protectorate. Um, you know, mama bear, papa bear. Um, mm-hmm. And but that can be done in ways that doesn't um, kill or harm life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's not about domination. It's not about greed. You know, those those are the things that have to become taboo. You know, in our society, like like incest is taboo. You know, I, I think domination and greed, you know, have to become taboo. You know, as well. 
Um, well, you know, we're we're starting to get close to the end of our interview, but I have to ask you, um, given the, are, are you a are you a Hillary supporter or a Bernie supporter? What do what are your thoughts uh, with the election coming up? Mm-hmm. If you don't mind I my asking, you don't have to you don't, don't have to show your cards. <laughs> yeah, no, I will show my cards. I I am a Hillary supporter. Uh, I had struggle with that previously. I, I was, uh, in 2008, an Obama supporter because I felt that Hillary was not representing uh, women and women's rights as, as we once knew her to be. Um, uh, you know, that, that her history had, had given us that, you know, she was a strong women's rights advocate. And um, she was kind of towing the patriarchal line and, and you know, being advised um, I think very poorly uh, to be the you know the the, the father um, and and I could not support that. So, but this time around, um, I have used my voice to uh, speak out about the the dilemma and the process that I have had um, with with her and her um, uh, kind of presentation and, and so forth and call, calling her out in, you know, blogs on the Huffington Post and, and so forth um, to uh, bring forth more of her authentic voice and, the, and um, the stand that we have seen her take for women and girls around the world when, when she was Secretary of State. And I think she's showing glimpses of it. She has a lot of um, inconsistency. She does have a lot of issues. You know, she, unfortunately, there is some shiftiness there. But all that said, I believe very strongly in the power of her capabilities. Um, I do believe that she could step more into her feminine voice and her feminine authenticity when she is, in fact, in, in the role of presidency. And uh, I do believe that could have a huge ripple effect for women and girls, not just in the U.S., but worldwide. And mm-hmm. although um, there, are, there are issues, it's not a clear, you know, it's not a total clear run, uh, I feel strongly about supporting her. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I'll say, you know, I, um, I uh, with, with, um, with hesitation, I did not vote for her, uh, and I voted for President Obama the first time around. Uh, I think mostly because I was worried that there was, you know, the Clinton baggage was going to, you know, hurt our chances to beat the Republicans. Uh, but what, but what bothers me this time around um, about Hillary, because believe me, I would love to see a woman in the White House. But what bothers me this time around is um, her. She's so closely aligned with the banks and corporations. She's more of a, you know, a centrist corporatist. And the the country, I mean, with the income inequality, with the country being pulled so far right, um, I, I have to say, right now, I I am, uh, you know, I'm a Bernie girl, you know. And, um, uh, you know, I would love to see Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. as That would be my dream ticket. And only because Hillary worries me. I mean, um, her husband was the one that signed NAFTA, and it was supposed to be a good thing for American workers, and it turned out not to be. 
Um, I know we ended up with a really big surplus, um, you know, after his presidency, and she was the one that had the cojones to, you know, take on the, uh, you know, the the medical industry way back then, and you know, and try to get health care for everyone. I mean, I haven't forgotten any of that, but I wonder if she's just not too set in the old paradigm, you know. Um, or may you know? It, but then again, maybe the country's not ready yet for uh, the kind of paradigm shift you know you and I would like to see. Um, you know, maybe she's the next step toward that. But I, I mm-hmm. do believe that you know Bernie Sanders has more. Um, you know, he's he's talking more populist. You know, more. Uh, you know, more things that would help the middle class come back and and give hope to. Um, to uh, you know, to the people in poverty, and you know, I'm not feeling it from Hillary yet. I'm just not. You know, maybe she hasn't, you know, geared up enough yet. Uh, but she's not yeah, exciting she at all. Mm-hmm. She hasn't geared up enough, um, and I think she's laying low to some degree and kind of watching uh, the others. And uh, you know, she's already a known figure. Um, I'm thrilled about the conversation that Bernie is bringing because it is more populist. It is, you know, he's a socialist, and it's fantastic. Um, but I have to say, I just ha- I, 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 I'm an idealist. I have this nugget of hope for Hillary. I do think she is stuck in a lot of old ways, as you said. But I do. There's something in me that says, if she were elected, that the shift will start to happen. Yes, she, it won't be a miracle thing, but yes, she is more centrist and she does have a lot of connections to the old, the old guard. And, uh, but interestingly, one of the first things she started campaigning on was the uh, disintegration of PACs and, and campaign, you know, uh, the, the PAC money into uh, campaigns and mm-hmm. she's speaking out about income inequality. So Part of it is ironic because she's, uh, you know, this is where she gets all her money. So, you know, actions have to meet words. But I, I just, I still hold this nugget of hope. As much junk as there is out there about her, I, yeah. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going for it. And I, and, um, and, and at, at the same time, absolutely thrilled that Bernie Sanders is, is is running against her because this well it's going to be a fun democratic convention yeah. i think <laughs> and you know yeah and I can, yeah I, I i mean you know and i can see her playing her cards close to the vest this early on because she doesn't know who the republican nominee is going to be you know she can't you know she can't um uh i think put all put all her cards on the table just yet um, you know, it's it's probably too soon uh, because somebody like Bernie, you know, he he doesn't have the name recognition that she does. So it makes sense mm-hmm. to me that he's out there laying it all out uh, because people have to get to know who he is. Um, you know, maybe she can afford to, um, you know, to play it, you know, this this slow approach uh, more than he can, you know, because everybody knows her. And I think yep, she would be I a strong so. president. You know, I mean, I I have no doubt that she could run the country. Um, I I really don't. Um, I I just worry that uh, she would, you know, uh, there wouldn't be enough change for the people who desperately need it. You know, that's that's what worries me. But mm-hmm, we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll, we will see. Let's. 
keep 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 in conversation about it. <laughs> um, so, Tabby, before I say good night, uh, is uh, I mean, there's so much more we could talk about, but I know we said we'd keep it to an hour. Uh, was there maybe one last thing you might like to share before uh, we say good night? Thank you, thank you. I will share that. Uh, any any woman on this call, I really want to encourage you to consider that you do have a political voice and that your voice matters greatly. And you can use your social media, your blog, your feminine artistry, your video making, your filmmaking, whatever it is, to call out any injustices that you see happening around you, uh, you know, locally or within our bigger public conversation and start putting forth what your vision is for a better world, a more compassionate world, a more loving world. And the more each one of us does this, the more, the, the quicker, the faster we're going to build that net of sisterhood so that more and more women and girls rising are going to feel confident and secure to voice their feminine truth, which I believe ultimately will heal our planet. Agreed. Uh, well said. Thank you so much, Tabby. And, you know, as the, uh, as things progress politically, you know, maybe we ought to check in every few months and have a conversation about uh, what's going on with Hillary and Bernie and the media and women's political voices. What do you say? I would love to. I would love to. All right, to we'll do in. it. We'll do it. Maybe we'll check in, um, you know, maybe in January and see uh, see how things have progressed by then. I'm in. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Tabby. <laughs> thank you so much uh, for uh, this really great conversation tonight. Uh, I love talking to somebody who knows something about politics. And just to remind listeners how they can find you, uh, her website is her name, Tabby Biddle, T-A-B-B-Y-B-I-D-D-L-E.com. Please uh, check out all the good things she's doing and uh, find out about her classes if you're local and uh, uh, see all the other good stuff she's got there at her website. So um, thank you very much, Tabby, and we'll be talking soon. Have a great summer. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Well, it's that time, and um, you know that sound. We're crossing the threshold into the last half of the show. And um, there's uh, something new I want to tell you about. Uh, For some time on the show, I have described the film uh, Dancing with Gaia by Joe Carson. Uh, Well, now Joe has written a book called Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth, and Love on the Ferifaria Path, which has just come out in a new expanded second edition. This is from a review from Stephen Posh, author of Radio uh, Paganistan, Folk Tales of the Urban Witches in witchesandpagans.com. He says... Uh, that this book, Celebrate Wildness, is a scintillating new book by filmmaker Joe Carson in expanded second edition. Now give access to Fred Adams' 50-year life work, rapturous poetry, erotically charged ritual, glowing surreal paintings, and an overall vision of a human culture utterly defined by wilderness, eros, and goddess. Boy, that sounds like fun. And in Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth, and Love on the Ferifarian Path, 
Feriferia initiate Joe Carson unfolds the sumptuously petaled flower of the Feriferian vision with a stunning simplicity and clarity that would have left Fred Adams grinning with boyish delight. Celebrate Wildness is a visually stunning compendium of poetry, rituals, musings, and essays illuminated by Adams' own kaleidoscopic artwork. And, dear reader, if you buy only one pagan book this year, let it be Celebrate Wildness, in which you will encounter the Farifarian vision, re-articulated for a new century and a new generation. In this book, you will behold, whether you knew it or not, our collective history and possibly our future. Celebrate Wildness is available from the Farifaria website at Farifaria.org. And let me spell that for you so there's no um, confusion. It's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A. Yes, indeed. That sounds like one to check out for sure. And uh, just remember out there, cognitive minority that you are, uh, the words of Gandhi, uh, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Or author Schopenhauer, the philosopher, who said, all truth passes through three stages. First, it's ridiculed. Second, it's violently opposed. And third, it is accepted for being self-evident. And, you know, as I said before, uh, these mission statements of the show, um, I think uh, we are living through these stages. Uh, We are not at the beginning. We're not at the end yet. We're somewhere in the middle. And um, I know some of my guests who have been talking about the sacred feminine for decades can attest to these sayings. Uh, The sacred feminine is alive and well. In fact, she has a seat at the upcoming Council for the Parliament of World Religions. And if you don't know that that's a big deal, let me tell you, it certainly is. It is one of the biggest interfaith uh, gatherings from people all around the world, from all traditions, all spiritualities, all religions, and goddess has a seat at the table. Yes, indeed. I'll be telling you about that as it gets closer to October. And uh, finally, don't forget, uh, even if you've hit the follow button on my show page before, please hit it again. Seeing some of the notifications um, stopped working, and you might not have been getting notices before the show as you once were. So if you want to stay connected to our wonderful Voices of the Sacred Feminine family across the globe and not miss the great guests coming out each week, um, you'll want to do that. Hit the follow button. And, uh, you know, I know that uh, the summer is a busy, busy time. And uh, if you're like me, uh, you have had an awful lot to do, and maybe you have not been able to listen to um, all the shows that uh, you might have liked. So I just want to remind you of uh, some things that are in the archives there uh, that you might want to go back and look for. Um, I'm pulling some of them up right now to give you uh, the names. Uh, We had uh, The Buddha's Wife, uh, for one, with... um, uh, Janet Surrey, which was really interesting. I hadn't thought about the Buddha's wife, quite frankly, until Janet uh, talked about it. Uh, Wisdom of World Religious, uh, Teaching uh, Interfaith and Tolerance by Marilyn McFarlane. The 20-Minute Daily Empowerment with uh, Reverend Ava Park. Uh, Charlotte um, Cressy was here with us, telling us about uh, a foremother of ecofeminism I didn't know about before. Uh, her name was Charlotte Perkins Gilman. 
Uh, Carol Guyette uh, called in from the UK talking about uh, sacred plant initiations and uh, that, of course, is code for sacred hallucinogens and uh, trance-inducing plants. Uh, we had ac- accessing the Akashic Records. We had um, sacred transitioning uh, with Anya Trahan, which is about uh, how to personally um, and culturally uh, separate and transition into uh, new changes in life. Uh, we had a show on indigenous wisdom uh, or womb as the soul uh, with elute elder Larry McCullough. Um, the Goddess Who Fell to Earth, uh, History of the Hive with uh, Andrew Koff. So we had lots of good stuff. Uh, we had a show on transgender spirituality and um, uh, good things. So you want to make sure you uh, check the archives because um, uh, there's stuff there you uh, might want to make sure you take uh, take the time to listen to. So uh, as we uh, come to a close tonight, uh, I think I'd like to uh, leave you with this quote uh, by Thomas Paine because we are talking about change and uh, cognitive minority and changing the world. He said, we have it in our power to make the world over again. And I do believe the cognitive minority We are out there with our pink-handled machetes blazing that trail. Not always easy, but we're tenacious and we're courageous. And we're strong and resourceful and creative and wise. And we will accomplish changing the world. So... Uh, Thank you very much, listeners, uh, for tuning in every week. Uh, I hope if you're local, I will see you at some of these upcoming events uh, happening real soon. Uh, Go back to the beginning of the show and uh, play some of that again. Uh, Keep sending me your emails, your story ideas, your guest ideas. I love it. I love it. I love it. And um, I think to close tonight's uh, show, I think we'll have a little bit of... uh, Uh, Abigail Spinner McBride, uh, let the way be open. Let the way be open for the cognitive minority, for new ideas, for manifesting a new normal. So mote it be. Sing through my